Where we end with a living fossil, like me, but one beloved in Australia, the echidna, one of the two remarkable egg-laying mammals we still have, showing intriguing adaptations. How do these echidnas manage to thrive all over this vast continent, keep cool in the tropics and much more? Christine Cooper is a senior lecturer at Curtin University. We did some lab work several years ago that suggested that when they got hot, they would blow bubbles through their nose. And we hypothesised that that might be related to evaporative cooling. Then we had an opportunity to study them in the field using thermal imaging and to test to see whether their nose really was cool due to that evaporative cooling. Hadn't it been discussed before? People had thought for a long time that echidnas were very intolerant of high temperatures, but they live all over the Australian continent. And there's been some data that suggests that they're really not as intolerant as people suspected but we needed to explore how they might deal with those temperatures and so the lab work we did showed that they could increase their evaporative heat loss when they got hot but we needed to look at the mechanisms and so this was part of looking at those mechanisms. We do the same sort of thing because we've got nice almost hairless skins and we can sweat so they're doing the same thing on the same principle but blowing bubbles. Yes, it's the same idea. They don't have sweat glands, so they can't sweat like we do, but they can increase the permeability of their skin to water vapour. And the evaporative window that we found is another way that they can increase their evaporation. So they blow mucus bubbles from the tip of their snout and they've got a big blood sinus that sits underneath the skin at the tip of the snout. So that wets that area as the water evaporates, it cools it and that cools the blood. So you put them in a cold environment and they stop doing that, do they? No, they don't because they need to have a moist nose for electroreception. So they use electroreception to find their prey and they keep their nose moist to do that. So they always tend to have a moist nose, but they can use that as well to keep cool and they seem to make it more moist when they're hot. So they can use it two ways. (laughs) They're lovely noses and we've got a couple of echidnas that occasionally turn up every few months in the back garden and you see little nostrils coming through and it's quite delightful. But what's been the reaction to your colleagues? What do they say? They are sort of interested in the idea. I mean, the idea of an evaporative window is not new. So kangaroos do it, storks do it, vultures do it. Is there only one species of echidna? Uh, There's one species, but several subspecies. And do they all do it? Depending where they live, their uh, requirements for heat dissipation are going to vary. So a echidna in Tasmania is going to have a lot less requirement for heat dissipation than the echidna in our wheat belt. So they're in every part of Australia, are they? They're the most widespread mammal in Australia, terrestrial mammal in Australia. They're found all over the continent. And they've been around for such a huge amount of time. Yes, so monotremes and therian mammals, so the marsupials and placentals, diverge maybe about 200 million years ago. But then within that group, the echidnas are more recent lineage breaking off the monotreme group. But monotremes and placentals, marsupials, are a really ancient divergence. And yes, they're found in New Guinea and Australia, and that's it. And they probably have a southern derivation. And presumably, knowing so much about them, would you guess that for the monotremes, which includes the platypus, there's lots and lots more to know? Oh, yes, definitely. For most wildlife, there's a lot more that we need to know, and certainly the monotremes. And they're, they're difficult to work on. And we're really lucky here in that we have a study site where the echidnas are really abundant and really accessible. We can go out there and find them really easily, but they're generally quite difficult to find and quite cryptic. But short-beaked echidnas are the best studied of our monotremes because they're accessible. And when you finish with them, you put them back? Yes, well, these ones, we didn't even have to disturb them, so we were able to film them remotely. So it was really exciting to be able to do some work looking at what echidnas do when they're out and about foraging on their own without being disturbed. So that was sort of the exciting part of some of this new thermal imaging technology is you don't have to interfere with the animals.
One of the people you know of is Mike Archer, who has suggested that native animals will make wonderful pets. Do you know anyone who's kept an echidna as a pet? Not that I've kept them as a pet. They're tricky to feed. They are found in some zoos and we've kept them in captivity for research purposes. We had echidnas here for almost two years. So if you've got the right diet and the right enclosures, you can keep them. And they're wonderful. As used to follow us around like puppy dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and you mustn't run out of ants to feed them. No, we feed them an artificial diet because that is one of the real challenges with feeding any termitivorous animal is getting enough food for them. So we fed them artificial food and supplemented it with termites that we could get because you can't get enough to feed them. They're eating over 20,000 individual termites a day. So You say that finally they're great to be with and they follow you around. Why do they do that? Oh, the ones we had in captivity, they would follow us around for their food. <laughs> they knew when we were going in that we were going to feed them. In the wild, they're really variable in personality. And echidna personality is another really interesting area. Some are really timid and quiet. And the minute they hear you, they'll just hunker down and not move around at all. Others will come up and sniff your foot. So they're really quite variable. And that's a really interesting idea to look at is why we get this variation in personality. We found one in the backyard on a step. And it didn't want to move. And so I thought, well, it might be in jeopardy on that step. Someone might trip across. And I tried to lift it up. And it, it wasn't a case of heaviness. Somehow the feet were gripping or sucking onto the surface. He was immovable. They're incredibly strong. They are really hard to pick up in the field, especially if they can get hold of some surface irregularity, like tree roots or rocks and dig in underneath them. And they're really spiky as well. So a thick pair of welding gloves, and yeah, you have to use a fair bit of muscle to pick them up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Dr Christine Cooper is at Curtin University in Perth, loving those echidnas, bubbles and all. A paper just published.